I'm Bree, one of the co-founders of Frank Body. Hi, I'm Jess, one of the co-founders of Frank Body. Welcome to Selfish, a podcast that is all about putting yourself first and redefining the word selfish. Over this content series, we're exploring a variety of topics with some amazing faces that you'll know, from self-awareness with Brooke Lurton to self-discovery with Jackie Gillies. We're also talking about self-pleasure with Chantelle Otten and self-wealth with the incredible Victoria Devine. Podcast episodes for Selfish drop weekly on Tuesdays alongside a whole bunch of amazing tools, tips and tricks from our team that you can find across the Frank Body social channels. Find us wherever you listen to your podcasts and let's get selfish together. Hi everyone, I'm Candice, our Global Head of Marketing here at Frank Body. Today we're talking about self-pleasure with Eva Gokachoa, founder, CEO and creative director of sexual wellness brand Mod. Eva has spent her early career as a legislative aide in healthcare and a marketing trailblazer until finally blending her passion of healthcare and branding to launch Maud, a sexual wellness company built to serve through quality, simplicity, and inclusivity. Since the launch in 2018, Maud has been featured in Vogue, the New York Times, and Fast Company, has been heralded as redefining the sex essentials industry for modern consumers by Forbes, and in 2023, Maud became the first sexual wellness brand in Sephora stores. To say the least, you won't want to miss this conversation. Ava is a powerhouse. Her and her team are leading the pack in a very important and fun category. Hello there. Hi, how are you? So good. I am so, so grateful to be here with you today. You. It is a whole series about what it means to be selfish, having selfish, selfish conversations, everything from self-identity, self-worth to self-pleasure, which is such an important topic that I don't think women, men, any species, we don't talk about it enough. And we I don't agree. normalize conversations. Um, so really excited to be with someone that's so warm like yourself. I remember you. the first, <laughs> first time we're meeting in person, but the second I met you over Zoom and how kind and gracious and Tyler from your team, first time I met him, he was like, oh, the network of this and that, wait till you meet Ava. And then I met you and I was like, wow, this is really refreshing that you wanted to connect us Thank with other founders and marketers and, you know, just a community. So that was the first experience. And that's why we feel really passionate to have you here. So thank you for taking the time to be here and talk about good stuff. Yeah. Let's, we'll dive right into it. Um, Maybe we'll start a little bit about your background, what led you to MOD and, you know, what, what did that whole journey look like for you? It was certainly circuitous. It was not a straight line. So I moved here um, in tell you my age. I moved here in 2001 to study on, you know, I thought I was going to be on Madison Avenue. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to be um, in advertising. And anyway, two weeks later was September 11th. So two years later, which I went to FIT and at FIT, you have to like specialize. Yeah. You have to specialize. So I was like, I'm going to go home to Sacramento where I grew up half my life and kind of assess if I want to come back. And I became a legislative aide. I got this job at the Capitol. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) and then really loved that and took a job, sort of a similar job in policy in LA and then realized I either have to go to DC or I need to go back into marketing. And that's what Mm -hmm. I did. So long story short, I worked at a lot of startups. I was really early at Everlane and in product, Mm -hmm. but I was really, I really wanted to do something that mattered. And I really Mm -hmm. wanted to do something that I felt like was culturally impactful. And I Mm -hmm. started thinking about this category and out of a conversation with people, like I was like, wait, this is, this is it. Yep. This is all of my life experiences, you know, merged. Yeah. So moved to New York in 2016 and started really hitting the ground in 2017. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Complete pivot. But when it feels right, it feels right, doesn't it? And it's nice to see the challenge in front of you, know that you're in, you're in the right path. And sometimes that's really hard to even see at that point. Yeah. And I think I started working really young. I was 14 and I've had a lot of jobs. I've seen a lot of things. And so when you know it's right, like you've, I've, I've been around the block enough right. to know, yeah. It's, it's visceral. It's, it's <laughs> yes. a different feeling and yeah. such a, an exciting category. I feel lucky enough to grow up where, you know, vibrators or lube or they, like it's, it's part of a normal dialogue, at least within my friendship group. And I can see retailers changing and we'll, we'll get into all of that. Yeah. But you know, jumping into the space and and really bringing mod to life. What what did it look like in your mind? And is it now what you envisioned, or like how did that? Because it's such an elevated, beautiful brand. How did you come up with that? 
Well, it's funny. So it started really, it went through a couple iterations. It first started as a very blue brand and then it started, mm. we started thinking about inclusivity and does that, does that get put into your design? So then it was suddenly very yeah. colorful. And then we're like, wait a second, inclusivity doesn't mean you do everything. And yep. also it's just operationally costly. And there's that. <laughs> yeah. So, and then we kind of went into this color palette and building this world. And I started thinking back to Think about how alcohol or perfume or the, all these things are marketed in this really beautiful way. And they right. all borrow from sexual wellness. But sexual mm -hmm. wellness isn't very sexy mm -hmm. and isn't very elevated. And I was like, isn't that the most obvious yeah. route? And yeah. isn't that the most universal thing is that people want to feel in the mood? Yeah. You don't want to be ashamed of buying it. No. I think that's where, you know, some of these stores you walk by and I, I even feel weird if I'm looking at it because it's so dated it's, it's women are perceived in such an unfortunate viewpoint. Yeah. So it's about time that it's modernized and Well, and if everything's borrowing from it, even mm -hmm. like we talk a lot internally at the company about you walk into a bar and the lighting is like supposed to be sexy. Mm. So everything around us kind of has this subtext, yet the sexual wellness world has always been really commoditized, really explicit, yep. really gendered. Yep. So... That's yep. where it came from. But it has looked the same since we launched and we know who we are deeply. Like mm -hmm. That's so yeah. important to kick off a brand. And what I, I think the most successful brands are actually solving a problem. Yeah. They're solving a need. Because mm -hmm. if you can't really identify that from the beginning, then how are you – it's hard. People yeah. can do it, but it's hard to exist. So the fact that you saw a gap, saw an opportunity, built something that people felt proud to buy yeah. and excited – I think that's it too, where you're like proud it's in your bag. You're not like shoving it in there, <laughs> like this weird thing. Um, so it's it's very cool to see. Thank you. And taking a couple steps back, you know, before we even go into the whole pleasure category, sex education. I think that really stood out from your background, reading a lot of articles of your upbringing of, you know, you had a mom that was really open and upfront about it, but then pairing that with Catholic education. Yes. <laughs> and when you think of those two things, they're very, they're very polarized. So how did you, how did you navigate that as a young woman and learn from it, what you liked, what you didn't like and how it's affected who you are today? I think my, because my mom was so matter of fact. So I was primarily raised just with my mom. My parents divorced before I was one. So she was dating and she was, you know, a grad student and she was very social. She was like in her late 20s, early 30s. And mm -hmm. so she talked about this with me when I was like five or six. She was like, I'm just going to, you know, and it was matter of fact. And it was um, it was really about education and mm -hmm. biology and made me feel like, you know, I understand what's going to happen when mm -hmm. I'm, you know, at this age. And yeah, yeah. So. That, that was how I like walked through life. But I will say that I've always been like a really private person and mm -hmm. I'm not, um, I knew who I wanted. I was a young, like I was an adult before I was an adult. And so yeah. in high school, I was watching this big contrast between what my friends were doing behind closed doors and what school felt like where they were telling you that basically the stork showed up and dropped mm -hmm. you off. So I was like, <laughs> I was somewhere in the middle where I was like, I don't really want to talk about this, but I think the... I'm comfortable enough acknowledging that there's a spectrum of comfort with the conversation. And I think I can navigate that because I understand what it's like to want to be private. Mm -hmm. So I've been kind mm -hmm. of the same the whole time. I never thought I'd be in this category, but now yeah. that I am, I'm like, it makes sense because I can see, I can see a lot of sides. Completely. Of people feel completely. about it. Yeah. And I think it's, that's an interesting way to remind ourselves that the biology it isn't, it's very black and white in that sense, but then yeah. there's all these added layers. And I think that can come down sometimes from education taught in school that the adults are actually nervous. And then that totally. energy is contagious as they're teaching young people what it is. And then it already puts the stigma, whether they mean to or not, but it puts a stigma on what sexual education should look like. Well, and if we're and talking about self-pleasure in Catholic school is not a word that they use. No. Um, it's about procreation. Mm -hmm. and abstinence until you've decided that you're going to start a family. So it's it's yeah. like it is not nuanced in any way. And I no. think that has caused a lot of cultural problems. Completely. Yeah. And that's still the case for many people today, yeah. whether that's their choice or they're just, you know, in a family and don't have the option. But it is – it's changing. But I think a good reminder that the world, you know, has a long ways to go in that. If that's what you want. To, yeah. It's, it's important. Um, and how has – you know, sexual education with where we are today, do you think, because you've, you've worked on the healthcare side, which is really powerful to see, especially here in the U.S. and the rest of the world. It's just, we're fortunate in a lot of ways, but there's still a few steps. 
back. Many steps back. Many yeah. steps back. Mm-hmm. But what's, you know, what excites you today of where you think people or where the industry is going and yeah, just the progress. So I think what's seen. interesting, especially because the mod audience is a little older, they're primarily over 30, they're in relationships, it's pretty mm-hmm. split on gender. And you have that happening. So there's like, at the commercial level within the beauty world, it's becoming more acceptable, you see it mm-hmm. in certain retailers. Mm-hmm. And then on the sort of the Gen Z side, they're talking about more and they mm-hmm. have access to more information and they're on yep. TikTok, et cetera. So like there will be a convergence of the needs of a younger generation and where they expect to see sexual wellness show up. Mm-hmm. And I think it will catch up eventually. And hopefully in the long run, that will mean that policy will catch up and education yes. and requirements in schools will catch up. But mm-hmm. it's going to be a generational shift. And I, I think it's happening and I'm happy to see it coming, you know, happening at many angles, because I think Mm -hmm. that's what it's going to take. Completely. And I think to remind ourselves to keep charging forward, a recent, well, not completely recent, but still a top of mind for me is where we are with abortion in this country now. And that all happened while I was living abroad. And it's heartbreaking from my point of view to watch that unfold and see, obviously you have your news headlines that make everything terrifying. But at the end of the day, it's, it is terrifying. Mostly because I can't convince people to religiously think differently. That's really everyone's mm-hmm. personal choice. But mm-hmm. I think when biology starts to get thrown out the window and yeah. puts people in harm's way, if they have a high-risk pregnancy, that's where mm-hmm. it starts to me to like really mm-hmm. be dangerous for sure. Yeah, yeah, completely. And so important to keep having these conversations mm-hmm. and community, I think, plays such a role to talk yeah. about these things. And and it's okay if your friends disagree with you. I have some friends that are on a completely different spectrum than I am, but mm-hmm. we can talk about it. And that's what's important is you don't lose friends or family over it. It's just, you know, being a bit more human and and, and like anything, education, knowledge, it's, it's really power. Yeah. So. And I think the more that we conflate that in this country, we, we talk a lot about abortion and we talk a lot about childbearing and it, mm-hmm. t- it in some ways like doesn't allow for a conversation, not to bring it back, but like to mm-hmm. bring it back mm-hmm. about bring it back. pleasure <laughs> and the yes. purpose of like sex in your life as a human. And it, it's so much yes. more than procreation. So it's in some ways it overshadows the other conversations that I wish were happening mm-hmm. around why it's so critically important to have a healthy relationship with talking about sex, mm-hmm. talking about it with your partner, et cetera, because mm-hmm. it's so much more than just having a child it is it completely is and yeah. i think that's a good segue into let's unpack it a little bit so <laughs> traditionally we think self-pleasure is masturbation it's you know it's these very like pillar topics that we've just learned about which is fine but can you help us identify what self-pleasure can look like from senses to having a good meal to being touched a certain yeah. way like kind of what does that look like from your point of view so I think with Maud, we really wanted to create a sensorial brand that thought mm-hmm. about everything from feeling really great about your skin, you know, thinking about setting the mood with scent, yep. clean up, all of it. Mm-hmm. And holistically, I think that helps further the discussion around what is intimacy, because uh-huh. intimacy and self-pleasure to me are like the same. Um, and I really wanted to get away from what we have seen for so many decades, which is just Here's your condom, here's your lube, mm-hmm. figure it out. Don't have a child, don't get an STI. So I think self-pleasure right, to me, yeah, there are rules. <laughs> self-pleasure to me is about recognizing that your mental, physical, psychological health are all tied in enjoying your time, however that's spent. And that is, it's it's broader than just this idea of sex or masturbation. It's, it's am I... Do I have less stress? Am I happier? Am yeah. I well fed? Am I mm-hmm. comfortable in my environment? There, yeah, that, those are all parts Skin of self completely. Yeah. I think your website really reflects that with all of your blog content. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. Bookmark mm-hmm. this. Bookmark this because it's it's all related to relationships and even you know solo relationships. But it was like the love languages. It was sex in outer space, which is one of my favorite. Well, topics. there you go. Let's talk about that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Who's doing that? <laughs> but they're all really juicy, interesting things. Where it was like, man, you don't always you think of this word as such a 
you know, a, a silo thing, but there's so much more to it. And I found the content really interesting, relatable. Where do you, how do you pull ideas from there? Is it community-based? Is it your group, your team? Like, how do you build all those blogs? No, it's the team. Um, and it, we started the blog when we first launched and it was more of like a Tumblr. Okay. And it was yes. really to facilitate saying mod is more than product. Yep. And over time, it's really evolved and we have kind of a roster of writers who write about it. And it's usually really, mm -hmm. it's about what is the mod lens? The mod lens is yep. really curious and it's very much through culture, design, science, health and history mm -hmm. that we think about sexuality. We don't think about it just as like a compendium that rivals WebMD. Yeah, It's yep. supposed to really recognize that, that sex and intimacy are everywhere. Mm -hmm. So... We have big hopes and dreams for it. We're a very small team still, but um, I think there's we we get a lot of impressions a month. Our yeah. our audience is, you know, they are reading it every Sunday because it gets sent to them in email. So mm, amazing. There's a lot to do. There's a lot to do, and you know what? Sometimes a smaller team is a bit easier too because it's yeah. it's a lot. Workloads are big, but That's you true. share same values. You can get a lot done. You're you're really connected. Um, I think that's a testament to the retailer yeah. that you're in and the what type of work you guys are doing. The fact that it's gone into, well, Sephora. Yeah. Talk about that of being the first sexual wellness brand that they've had on show. The first sexual correct? wellness brand um, in the U.S., in yeah. store and online. It was exciting. I mean, we always had our sights set on being next to body skincare in a prestige retailer. Okay. And a lot of that stems from widening the lens of the category and saying this should be in those places. Mm -hmm. There should be diversity of brand and you mm -hmm. should feel really comfortable buying these things in the same places that you mm -hmm. go and buy your skincare and your body care. We also mm -hmm. think of it as like, it's, it's a body brand. Yeah. Completely. It's part of your body. So, um, that was super exciting. It's we huge. call ourselves the golden guinea pig because we are one of so few. <laughs> um, so there are, you know, there are certainly um, challenges, but I think for mm -hmm. the most part, we have such a supportive team there. So it's been mm -hmm. really great. Really good. And mm -hmm. what was the process like pitching that to them? Did you start with certain SKUs or did you show everything? Like what was that, that storytelling for the Sephora team? What did that look like? They came to us, which was really oh. exciting. Yeah, they came Even to us. Even better. Um, and what's really great is that their VP of skincare, Cindy Daly, is similar age to me, also from New Mexico. Uh -huh. We kind of speak the same language. She is very much, um, she's a powerhouse and she really wants to advocate for this category yep. because she believes it's so critically important. Mm -hmm. And so this isn't, it's not a transactional relationship at all. And mm -hmm. I think that's what is important when you have a brand is to find the people that really understand what the mission is. and. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, she's navigating internally. I mean, the lube got pulled from the shelf because some, someone could unilaterally say, like, that's too risque. So it's online. And we have most of our body products in store. But yeah. Okay. It's an evolving category. It it's is an, evolving an evolving conversation. Category, Here we are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the reminder of like how far we've come on the internet which is amazing. And you can, you know, having someone like Emma earlier from DM, like we progress so much in that, but then you kind of forget the connection in store to show those things and to have them see, have young people see them. And well, it doesn't help that TikTok is now talking about how Sephora is now the brand, like, or the store for 10 year olds. I'm like, okay, well, that's oh, not going to no. help our cause. Um, <laughs> so we'll see. But I think, yeah, it, and we're in a lot of other retailers and we're in those beauty departments and wellness departments. And so mm -hmm. it's happening, the, mm -hmm. you know, and we're, we are sold in 33 countries. It's not wow. like this is just happening here. Yeah. So we're we're making headway. <laughs> it was really cool because I got to see the brand for the first time in person when I arrived here. And it was in Chelsea Market. Oh, amazing. And this little shop in the front, which I'm completely blanking on the name. Neighborhood Goods. Yes. Yes. That one. And they and probably have one of the bigger selections of mod. It was beautiful. Thank you. And it's funny because I was far away and I was like getting pulled just by looking at the shapes of everything that as I get closer, I'm like, oh, this has so much more weight to it, seeing it in person, Thank you. The candles, everything. You do, you felt inspired looking at it like you'd, you know, what's the story behind yeah. it? It definitely evokes that, um, which I'm sure is, you know, why people come back again and again and, and keep trying it. What does product development look like for your team? 
How do you? That's a good question. It's um, I have a history of product development, and it's it's amazing because you start working years ahead of it. Mm -hmm. Consumers don't really even you know think how much time goes into yeah. it. But how do you guys look for trends, or is it more as a team you talk about things that are missing in the market? What's that like? So we really build product within four categories, which is sex, skin, scent, and supplements. Okay, and it's about it's about the whole spectrum of intimate health. Because if you think about ingestibles and how much, so we have a libido supplement, but it's really mm -hmm. related to um, blood flow, stress, et cetera, which mm -hmm. are all part of why you may or may not want to have sex. Mm -hmm. And then we think about scent and setting the mood. And so it's these yeah. four buckets. However, to be able, like I said, to tell that story in a retail landscape has mm -hmm. been, we haven't yet had that real opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so we have to think carefully about what we launch based on where we're going to be able to put the product yep. and sense. how much we'll have to carry that story alone. And I would say we've definitely had some misses where we launched too much product in one year and mm -hmm. some things got overshadowed by mm -hmm. others. The press loves to talk about devices all day, every day, especially oh, now that okay. the landscape of content is really affiliate and they're like yes. this sex toy chain you know yep, so yep. there is like certain things you're navigating in product development and if we completely listen to the customer they would just ask us to make devices all day every day but there's a reason why we don't and it's because we don't think that you have to overcomplicate mm -hmm. your sex life and mm -hmm. there's real opportunity for people that don't have devices at all to like start to explore that. So we try to Completely. make things a little more simple. Yeah. I think it also kind of forces people to think differently of what self-pleasure is. I mean, yes, great vibrator. Great. We love it. <laughs> but it's especially for women, it starts so much. It's ahead of that. Yeah. It is the way, you know, you touch your skin or the scent or the candle. Like there's actually, our senses are so powerful. Yeah. I think sometimes we forget that. And it, I don't know, I mean, not speaking for every woman, but it starts in your head. Well, and I think <laughs> scent is so closely related to mood and memory. Mm -hmm. And so, exactly. yeah, I mean, it's, you know how they say that if you want to sell a house, you bake cookies. It's like, yeah, <laughs> that works. You're like, oh my God, I'm home. Yeah. 100%. Mm -hmm. And it's it's okay to tune into that because I think then when you get to that point, whether it's with a partner or solo, you're already, you're so turned on. Yeah. Because you've had all these experiences and yeah. you let your mind go to this kind of playful spot, which it's hard these days with how demanding our jobs are, mm -hmm. families, kids, travel. Like it's, it's tough to be able to get to that headspace really quickly. Mm -hmm. I find that it takes yeah, a lot more energy. Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with, and actually speaking of Emma from DM, like mm -hmm. I wrote an article for her called The Case for the Goldilocks Girl. And the point of the article is to say there is something between the girl boss and like the, you know, the cozy life, mm -hmm. which is a more balanced approach. And I think yep. that really relates to intimacy and self-pleasure and sex, because it's like for so many years we've been told a sexy person is this, or like mm -hmm. you are, let, let's compartmentalize who you are. And I mm -hmm. think what we're all really looking for is like an integrated approach to our life because yep. it's so heavy and difficult to be 20 people at once. Mm -hmm. um, so that's like, Mod wants to blend into your life and not mm -hmm. make you feel like, okay, in order for me to have an active sex life, I have to always just be yep. on and ready, or I have to be, yep. it doesn't yep. need to be a two hour situation. Yeah. I think <laughs> so there's I think, a, lot yeah. Of, a lot of pressure. And mm -hmm. one of our other topics earlier today was about self-identity. I think that has a lot totally. to actually go into self-pleasure and sex and stuff too, because if we don't know what we want in the bedroom or what we feel comfortable with, our partners are kind of set up to fail in some ways. And it goes back to communication of knowing this doesn't feel good for me, but it can be really scary. Yeah. Sometimes you don't know what to say. Yeah. And I think no. we really recognized when we started the company, like, first of all, my entire thesis was that we need to stop gendering sex products because sex yep. and gender are not the same thing. And also typically you're with a partner, mm -hmm. so they should be products you can share mm -hmm. and there's no reason for them to be gendered. But the whole point is so that everyone's comfortable because I think like yeah. you're right, it's you need to be able to feel like you can talk about these things. Completely. And so. it can feel, it's amazing how everything in your life, different um, communication topics can come so freely, mm -hmm. you know, what you want in work or this and that. But the second this one comes up, it can feel really selfish in a lot of ways too, you know, the whole idea of like, but I want this or I need this, but you both people are going to enjoy it so much more if you can have that open dialogue yeah. and know that it's okay. But it takes. Well, it's funny because early on there were these series of ads out call, um, from a company called Wealth Simple, 
And they were people talking about finance. <laughs> and you could have just inserted the word sex and it would have been the same exact commercial because okay. it was talking about the vulnerability of talking about money and, and how mm. much that relates to like security yes. and partnership and mm -hmm. all of these things. And mm -hmm. I was like, yep, it's that kind of topic. Yep. It's very scary sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. And know that people, you're not alone. I think communication is the first thing as hard as it may be. Um, we also have a big group of younger listeners. And Frank's, you know, we grew up 10 years ago, or we're 10 years old now, but we grew up with millennials who are now in their 30s, maybe having kids, just a whole different stage of life. Yeah. We have this next Gen Z group coming in. And, you know, where, what do you think from your side or from your opinion, where can people go to learn more? And what does that education piece look like if I'm a 22-year-old trying to figure out some things and resources? You have a lot of great partners and charities. Well, no, no. I mean, our content's great, but I actually, yeah. like, like DM is great. <laughs> I, not to keep shouting out to Emma, who's yep. wonderful, but I think finding, it's so exciting to live in a time where you can find community in a variety of ways. And I think mm -hmm. a platform like DM where, you know, which I don't know in what order these podcasts will be released, <laughs> but if you don't know, you know, DM is a social platform generate, it's user generated content specifically for women. And, mm -hmm. um, people are talking about all kinds of life experiences and topics. And I think recognizing that you're not alone mm -hmm. and that it's, it's half probably, the battle, isn't it? yeah, yeah. And it's probably a conversation someone else is having. And I found it to be super helpful. I've been married forever. You know, we don't want children. So we had, I did a DM salon about that and it was like, oh, there's lots of people that feel this way yeah. and they don't have anyone to talk to and they don't know where yeah. to turn. So Completely. I think we're living in a great time to be able to find other like-minded mm -hmm. people. Completely. Because that's all it takes sometimes of just not feeling alone, yeah. isn't it? Because you're like, oh, I'm such a, because I'm trained to think like this. And Well, and if you're looking for like sexual health resources, yes. it's also often through the lens of like a WebMD or a health line, which is mm -hmm. great if there's an issue and mm -hmm. you should know how your body works. Mm -hmm. Um and there are many resources for that. But then there's that layer Extra of communication layers, and it? intimacy and all of the other things. So yep. I think Emma yeah. drived, described it so well as a big group chat. Yeah. And that's when you feel like you can be your most authentic self. Yeah. You're in a judgment-free zone. Um, and you can just ask the silly questions that yeah. probably aren't silly. Because yeah. if you're thinking it, how many Someone people else is, are yeah. thinking it? Yeah, completely. Yeah. So lots of work to do, but it seems like we're moving in a good step. Back to kind of your background of branding and, and where the brand has landed today. I think you have such a unique background of Everlane yeah. watches. I know we're probably going down memory yeah. lane, but some really cool brands. How, as a marketer, like how do you, do you start with the consumer first? Do you go certain places to find inspiration? Like what kind of ticks that box for you to create something, whether it's a sex toy or a pair of jeans? Like what's... I really like... From the time I was very young, I've really been, you know, very interested in design. Like I wanted to be an architect when I was little. Wow. Um, I did not want to go to school and take all the math courses, so that didn't work out for me. But um, <laughs> I was always interested in design and culture and film and music and art. My mom got her master's in arts education, so I was mm -hmm. like always exposed to arts and culture. I was in mm -hmm. movies when I was little and all of that really lends itself to just being eyes and ears open to cultural trends and conversation and, yeah. you know, and so I'm always absorbing that. That's I'm constantly reading. Unfortunately, my hands are about to fall apart because I'm always reading on my phone, mm -hmm. but I'm just absorbing that. And I, I, living in a city like New York, it's also made easier. And so uh -huh. I think Maud was born from my curiosity, but I also speak brand language. That's where I've come from. That's how I, those are the things that I was doing in my mm -hmm. work and my jobs. And I spent a good amount of time with my own studio as a team of one, um, yeah. helping with brand strategy and, and developing like mission statements and look and feel all of it. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's just like where I've been, mm -hmm. but I think it's been driven by who I was born as, which is Completely. just a curious, I think it's my first word was why. <laughs> My mom's like, so it was or why, but like, I'm like, that makes sense. So yeah. It's the curiosity, mm -hmm. isn't it? And it's the ability yeah. to not feel, I think a lot of times as young students and things, it's like, you should know this answer or, you know, there's a certain answer to everything, like a math equation, but most of life doesn't work like that. No. There isn't a one answer that's going to fit everyone. So it's that curiosity. And as you get older to keep igniting it, because it's, I think as with age, you're like, oh, well, I should know this or I shouldn't ask that, but you're 
100% should. Yeah, okay and I think there's the curiosity then lends itself, like, as a person, I've always been, I don't have one circle of friends. I have lots of circles of mm-hmm. friends, and sometimes they don't intersect. And yep. um, so I've never felt boxed in, and I think that helps kind of, especially in the case of Mod, like build a brand that is hopefully really inclusive mm-hmm. and thinks more on the side of psychographics than demographics because mm-hmm. I don't think that demographics are always an indicator of what people need. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just being, I, I'm like a really hyper-organized person and I think I'm what I'm essentially doing is like pattern recognition. So I ended up getting my degree in organizational communication. <laughs> And so the pattern recognition of like seeing, oh, I'm noticing that this is all happening, like helps me feel confident to understand a brand's context in the world and like why it may or may not work. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just like read all day about brands. I love this. Yeah. This is why I could give you that list of lots of people. Uh, It it makes sense. And the organization makes sense. She came (laughs) back with the bulleted list of the most thoughtful founders and brand leaders and things. So it makes sense. And it does help when you have your life in order like that. It's a little bit easier to be creative too because some of this is taken care of and your mind has the the bandwidth to take it in. Yeah. Yeah. I can feel that when I get really scatterbrained, it's like, well, just do get this done. I know it's a boring task, but once that side of your brain is kind of satisfied, it's amazing what you can unlock. Yeah, you create the, the fences side. for like running around. Mm-hmm. Completely. Yeah. Still crazy, but in its yeah. own little contained fence. You brought up fundraising and I'm really curious. I'm sure you've answered this question a million times, but what that was like for you and how how difficult it is. Then you add the complexities of being female and Latina and all these different things. What what was that like for you and how do you how do you sit today with it? Well, it's interesting because I was completely ignorant on how this was all going to go, but I had been around the language a bit at Everlane. And so okay. I kind that of helps. knew, yeah, I yeah. knew the landscape. I sort of knew like how you put together a team and a, all of this, and then like what a deck looked like. But mm-hmm. what I was doing a lot in like 2014, 2015 was, um, because I had started my own solo business, I had to think about business plans and structure and all of that. So that kind mm-hmm. of that was a first step in dipping my toe into being like, I have to put this to paper. And then I started, um, I did like a summer program and then I took classes, you know, online and mm-hmm. I started to just learn more of the language and how it all worked. And then <laughs> my first round I raised before I launched, but I had my little brother-in-law email one, about a thousand cold email, a thousand investors, like I'm sure an enormous amount of them did not even invest in consumer goods. I just was like, I don't know. I found this list. Like, let's just email everyone. Go for it. Dumb. Now I know them. So that's good. But it was like, what was I thinking? And it, it was one check at a time. Mm -hmm. I started to do friends and family and then I got an institutional check and then I ended up raising way more than I thought I would in the first round. And that kind of kickstarted things. And Mm -hmm. I had been here for about, um, by that point, like almost two and a half years. So when we launched, we had great press relationships and mm-hmm. it was just one foot in front of the other. But mm-hmm. that I did that. And then like six months after launch, started raising the next round. And that was a price round. And so that was so early that I was like, okay, I know so how to do So what does that this. mean? So there's round. like a safe round, which is it's almost, it's almost quite literally one piece of paper. And okay. it's, a, it's a simple agreement for future equity. Yep. And you can say like, one day you'll own a piece of the company. It'll convert at this price. If we ever do a price round or acquired, mm-hmm. sign on the dotted line, give me your check. It's mm-hmm. super easy. That's mm-hmm. what you do. It's not always founder friendly, but it's how you can get money in pretty quickly. A price round is like you're selling shares. There's a lot of paperwork and legal involved. It's a real transaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that early because there was an investor who wanted to write a very large check. And I ended up turning that check down. Really? But had already gone through all of the process of it. So then I did a price round. And then I was like, okay, I get how this all works. I wouldn't say that I know all of the, like those documents, there's all. Yeah, it's very complex. Yeah, it's very (laughs) complex. So I'm not like, oh yeah, 14.5 section, whatever. No, No, but the fact that you can talk about it like Mm -hmm. this, going through something like that. And if you're comfortable sharing, why did you decide to turn that down at that time? Because it would have meant that they took a really big chunk of the company early. And I thought it was just a little myopic to do that. Mm -hmm. I really liked them, but I was like, I think this is like maybe just too early. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's a very smart decision. Yeah. I feel like that's probably the biggest, I can feel it with my partner, of, of losing the grip a little bit. Because it is your child. It becomes Well, I was so thinking much. more about the optics of, because when you start raising, first of all, everyone should acknowledge that you raise and then you know you're going to have to keep raising. So I was like, well, this is going to set me up to really have n- no part of the company if I raise another round. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it was a $1.2 mm-hmm. million dollar check out of a two and a $2 million raise. So it was like most of it mm-hmm. in month six. Like it was just wow. really early. But I remember the day we got, they, we want to write the check. And then the day I was like, I'm not going to take this. And I'm like, wow, I'm turning down a million dollars. Weird. Yeah. No, but good. You knew what you needed. And I think that's such a powerful, and when you make the decision, you make it and you run with it and you own it. And who knows where we'd be? Well, that's exactly it. Yeah. Who knows where you'd be? So how for found or for brand owners and founders listening to this podcast, like how was that just a, a decision you knew right in your gut? Did you take the time to kind of unpack it? Like how, what advice can you give someone that might be in your position and not sure what to do? It's a hundred percent a math problem. <laughs> it's oh, not, right. <laughs> yeah, it's not a, it should not be an emotional decision at all. It was literally like looking at future fundraising rounds and where what valuation we would have to be to create enough value that we could mm-hmm. like still own a chunk of the company, mm-hmm. how much you would have to raise, like what runway does that amount of money give you? So the, it's, it's a math problem. Mm-hmm. It's not a, it's not an emotional problem. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, of course it feels great to you. are like, Oh my God, we're, we can do this. Yeah, but, but you kind of have to, you're like, wait a second. This a means that back. we have to like, yeah. Yep. And at that point, which is, you know, 2017, 20, no, it's 2018. It was still kind of this weird little golden era of raising money at crazy valuations. And mm-hmm. I luckily knew because this category was so nascent and people hadn't really raised in it quite yet that it was a bad idea to be like taking such risk. Mm-hmm. So, And that's another part of um, some people we've been interviewing about self-wealth and really closing the gap between female financial literacy. Yeah. Because that's a, we could talk about that all day. But where, you know, to just learn yourself and learn more about the topic, where did you go to to start learning about how to raise money or what resources did you use? Because I think it can feel like a really intense category that you can get left out of really quickly. There, I mean, there are a lot of, I took an online class at Harvard, which was helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and that walked through every, every scenario. Like um, I had to go, like I had to do all these modeling exercises it was just a crash course. Uh, I also did like a summer um, program and that helped. And I was in the company of other founders. So there are ways to just like, and even now, especially this many years later, like there's definitely ways to learn about this. Mm -hmm. Um, And the one thing I would say is the good and bad news is that we're in a time where raising money is incredibly difficult, but that also means that we're in a time where good businesses should thrive Mm -hmm. and bad businesses don't. The fundamentals of good business whether you're selling lemonade or you are selling lemonade insurance are the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, completely. And solving a real problem. Yeah. I really believe in that. It's like it can, yeah, it's a, it goes back to a human need. Mm-hmm. Something, there's some, so much more psychological bits to it. So, yeah. So what keeps you up at night and what gets you up in the morning? <laughs> Fundraising still keeps <laughs> me up at night because we're not profitable. We could be, but we'd be much slower growth, which I okay. think is the conversation happening right now in mm-hmm. startup land. Um Keeping people happy, mm-hmm. knowing when to make hard decisions around people, which is never easy. Um, yeah, learning, just navigating everyday problems in business, it, it keeps you up at night. You're mm-hmm. like, there's just a lot to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and having and a team. Having I mean, a team. That's very difficult in itself. Yeah, building culture. Yeah. Yep. Um, that there are some founders who have no interest in like managing people or building culture, but I really mm-hmm. love that part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a there's a pretty hard balance if you're like trying to be an operational founder, thinking about marketing, coming from branding, and then mm-hmm. also trying to build culture. There's a lot to do. But mm-hmm. I will say, as a company, we go home at six, we go home at five on Fridays, or we don't work at the office on Fridays anyway, um, yeah. and we don't talk again. So we're not a company that is like connected all day every day. I don't. Yeah. So there's things keep me up at night, but hopefully they don't keep my team up at night. (laughs) Uh, Well, and the joke here is that when I think about if we're selling pleasure for partners and or self pleasure, Mm -hmm. how could I possibly just like burden my team with thinking about business all day, every day? So it's like, go home, do whatever makes you happy. I don't need to know about it. Just like live (laughs) your life and come back. Yeah. 
I love that. Yeah. I love those So balance to me, self-pleasure is balance. Uh, amen. Yeah. It is balance, 100%. And yeah. instilling that into your team and walking that, I think, walking mm-hmm. the talk, because it's really easy to say that. And then as a founder, I'm sure your brain's just going a million miles per hour, but then honoring that. Yeah. I mean, I don't get on my computer at home. Rarely do I get on my computer anymore because I spent so much time building this business as mm-hmm. a, we were a really small team for many years. And I mean, Tyler can tell you. And it's like, I, I already, I just, that's not scalable. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not tenable. I'm also now in my forties. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I need to like enjoy this cause it's going by too fast. Absolutely. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then your products, I think sometimes getting out of it too can be more inspirational than being stuck in the weeds all the time. Well, and to tie it back to identity, like if mod fails, I, I don't want to feel that I am so tied up in it that mm-hmm. I can't thrive. Mm-hmm. So I need to be, I need to respect the boundary of this mod is not me and I'm not mod and I yeah. do my best and I shepherd this business but like I go home and hopefully can find that I'm a more you know mm-hmm. I'm a multifaceted person mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not just ever the founder I think I've said this even though that I did not invent this statement but there is no arrival sign I really feel mm-hmm. that way we've been in every magazine we've been you know whatever yeah. and I'm like it doesn't change it doesn't change anything. Mm. Maybe for some people, they like rest their ego on those things. But mm-hmm. for me, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm still wrangling my dogs to go to the park. Like it doesn't really change who I am. And um, yeah. I take it more as potentially a validation of the business idea being worth something. Mm-hmm. But that's not me. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. I just I think separation is really important and also yeah, recognize like enjoy the enjoy the mag, like the magazine mention Completely. you should no, enjoy it bigger. And, right yeah. but know that that will fade mm-hmm. and people will forget and mm-hmm. we will move on and you'll still have to figure out who you are so it's like Better to kind of have a long view of knowing I who you are. Completely agree. Yeah. And I know you're you're in the middle of this, but like, is there another category that you're interested in later down in in your life? I mean, I love animals. I'm obsessed mm-hmm. with them, but I always, yeah, I stayed away from that world because I was fearful that I would, it would quickly become not as enjoyable. And I, Ian and I rescue animals and we mm-hmm. live to be those weirdos with the dog stroller at the park. But I think it's like <laughs> one day I will think about what I, where I can like apply that yep. maybe. Yep. But for now, I'm just happy to mm-hmm. be an adoptive Mm-hmm. Pet parents. How good is it to rescue pet though? It's a whole different It's great. And feeling. They, seeing them go from scared and discarded and thrown out and all of those things to like thriving and ruling your life is really mm-hmm. wonderful. Completely. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to be a, a vet when I was younger and had like a whole little veterinarian clinic in my backyard Aww. that my dad built and all these things. And it was that critical point of like a lot of school. <laughs> a high rate <laughs> of depression. Really high rate of depression. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then it really came down to, I don't know if I could do this to put them down. I know it, it would become a job, but it is something that's, it's tough. They're, we have to be yeah. really objective about how people treat animals. Mm-hmm. And if you're, I mean, Tyler and I are the same, like, if we see a dog without a sweater in the winter, we're like, put a dog, put a dog sweater on your dog. Ah, ah. Um, what about the booties? Do they really need the booties? I keep seeing them around the I mean, city. The, I'm like, there's the no snow. It's pretty gross, <laughs> but it is kind of a pain. Um, yeah. So I think... I don't know if I could see patients and have parents, pet mm-hmm. parents that I didn't agree with. I think mm-hmm. that would be really hard. Mm-hmm. What about pet products? Yeah. Has that I come actually, up before? Yeah, it has. I think I really, I mean, speaking of self-pleasure, I really love to keep the things I'm passionate about almost in, not in a business way, almost separate. So it's like, I mm. really love collecting books. I really love rescuing mm-hmm. animals. I really that love brings all you pleasure. Yeah. I yeah. love exploring museums. Like those are but if I sit in that museum all day as a docent, I, I'm gonna, it's going to lose its magic. Mm-hmm. And I think having so many jobs over many decades has resulted in me being like, once you know how the sausage is made, it's not really yeah, interesting anymore. And so, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, the fact that I still love what I do every day with Mod, it, I'm in the right place. Mm-hmm. Completely. Um, so, yeah, I th- I've thought about other business ideas, but you're like, oh, my God, starting over sounds... Yeah. <laughs> that's a and lot it's okay just to be in it and enjoy it and I think what you said about identity is just so powerful having your own company knowing it's, it's a season 
everything's going to continue on and you're going to evolve. I'm going to evolve. We're all going to change as people and being okay with that and making sure identity is kind of in mini buckets around you because yeah. that's how we are as people. Yeah. And having a retirement plan, <laughs> <laughs> just like being aware that you are not going to get to always choose um, what you're doing. So being, being smart about your long view is like really important. Mm-hmm. Finding that balance of being present and then having the ability to see the future is key. And and do you have any tips for people that maybe – so now we've unpacked that pleasure is so much more than what happens in the bedroom. But, like, how do you kind of – maybe you're not sure what you like doing or you're not sure what brings you full pleasure. Like, do you write a lot? Do you talk to girlfriends? Or, like, how do you kind of – or do you just go explore and see what you like? I think exploring is important and and not being afraid to try new things. Like Mm – if you want to pick up an instrument, if you're learning a language, I think just mm-hmm. always having that curiosity, especially yeah, it goes back to that, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. That's like maybe the word to live by because mm-hmm. you have no idea what you're going to look. I just actually was with someone yesterday who he, you know, went to school for music and, and then he, one day he still is a practicing musician and a teacher, yeah. but he became obsessed with fragrance and now he has his own like you know, niche fragrance development studio. And he's mm-hmm. just like really, and he has been helping me with a project and he like, it's just, his brain is like, it's just, I'm like, haven't yeah. you been doing this for like 10 years? And he's like, no, I just wow. found this passion and it's turned into this whole thing. And watching yeah. that in front of you, you're like, oh my God, there's a lot, there's, there's so much to learn about yourself. Completely. And not being afraid with age. I yeah. Think sometimes, at least in the U.S., it's very like you graduate high school, you go to a university and like what you study there is supposed to be what you do. And that is not the case. And it's going to change every year of your life of what you're interested in. And to lean into that and not be afraid to be bad at it. Yeah. I think is key too. Well, so when I was um, maybe in like 20, 2009, 2010, I was mm-hmm. really bored at my jobs. And I started a blog and I just blogged like every day. It was so twee of the time, but it was an exercise in committing to a practice and yes. seeing like, what was that doing for my, mm-hmm. for my mental health or like my happiness? I don't even use mm-hmm. the word mental health. Cause I just, I'm like, it's not that serious. It was just a fun hobby, mm-hmm. but it taught me a lot about that, like stretching a mm-hmm. bit and saying, mm-hmm. I'm not declaring I'm a writer, mm-hmm. although cut to I was getting interviewed to be like the like, editor of certain things. And I, was, and I was like, I don't think so. But but it was the discipline and the yeah. enjoyment at the same time that really yeah. lent itself to like figuring out, oh, this is something that could could be something else mm-hmm. for me. I think discipline and the commitment is key. And that's mm-hmm. really hard in this day and age because we're in this world of like our attention spans are just shrinking if you're on social media, it's scary. I can find myself already, even to read a big article and things. I'm like, wow, I can't focus on this. But no, it's I know. You have to put more effort. It's there, but it is, it's it's more difficult, I think, than ever before in this technology world we live in. Yeah. I mm-hmm. know. You can look back and be like, I just was on TikTok for two hours. Yeah, can I like what just happened? Can I like even remember ten videos? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's a discipline. But then also if you're so passionate about it, the time also flies by in the other direction. You know, if what you're reading about is nutrition or whatever and you love it, you have to then lean into that and, you know, keep that curiosity going and Yeah, and I think it. if you – this notion – well, I think with time you realize – you hopefully you learn more about yourself and recognize like what is hobby and pleasure and mm-hmm. what is worth the business, mm-hmm. you know, venture and what is, what is something to put on the shelf for another time and mm-hmm. – yeah, I think figuring out how you apply these interests and where they should go is really, really interesting. Um, and sometimes things you love should not be your, your work. Yeah. Yeah. They actually love them more sometimes if you keep them separate. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned that lately. I'm like, oh, you can still love it. It doesn't have to be your career path. Um, well, we have two final questions for you. First one is why is self-pleasure important? I think it's about, well, I would relate this back to the to time, which mm-hmm. is like, So I read something once that says our memories are essentially forged in highs and lows. Like everything in the middle, you Mm. will not remember. Like remember what you ate last Tuesday for lunch and you're not going to remember. If you have all of these really low moments in a year, let's say, you'll remember it as like a horrible year. Mm -hmm. And so I think about that in the opposite direction and I'm like, 
making time to have fun and making time to enjoy life mm-hmm. is so important to then looking back and saying it was the fabric is good. It was mm-hmm. fine. It was mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Versus like just kind of doing whatever. Yep. Or having a bad time. You can't always control bad things happening, but the point is like, can you counter them with things that you really enjoy and Mm -hmm. love and highlights? And it could be the croissant you have in the morning. It could be the trip you take. It could be time spent with a friend, whatever it is, but Mm -hmm. like making time for pleasure so that Mm -hmm. you look back on your life and say Mm -hmm. it was well spent is so important. It kind of reminds me of the quote, I think it's Maya Angelou, that said people always remember the way you make them feel versus the words that you say. And I think that the more, the older I get, the more I realize how true it is. Because you do, you remember the high of how this person made you feel loved or seen or the opposite and they made you feel like shit and you don't want to go there. So it's just funny how you really, it is high and low and choosing where you put your energy Mm -hmm. because you don't have a lot of time. Yeah. And I mean, if I can remember last week that I went to a museum and it was really fun, like that is probably the only thing I'm going to remember from Mm -hmm. last week. Yeah, your brain kind of protects you in some ways too. It's interesting, isn't it? Powerful. Yeah, and I think that's where it's important to just not wait. Well, my grandfather worked for 50 years in a steel mill in Michigan, and he died on the plane of his first retirement trip. Oof. And I remember I was like 12, and I remember thinking, okay, so like <laughs> the oh. future is not guaranteed. No. He did all of the not work to all. one day breathe, and then not he died. All. So like. Yeah, and not nothing. to be cliche, but not, like, not guaranteed. This next hour yeah. isn't. So yeah. yeah, it's finding that like present moment and really, yeah, holding on to it. Mm-hmm. My final question is: What does selfish mean to you? I think of selfish as having a like a honest relationship with yourself, so that mm-hmm. when you th- there are a lot of people who believe like selflessness or giving away to others is how you should always live, but the reality is often that can take away from your own health Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And then you're actually not as useful as you think you are. So maintaining some time for yourself and your health and your brain and all of those things is really important to just like doing the things you want to do in the world Mm -hmm. and, and, and Again, with all of the cliches, like putting on your oxygen mask first is That's important. That's literally what we said in the, yeah. the one earlier, 100%. Yeah. And so. I think what you just said about even if you feel like if you're really spread thin, but you said yes to everyone, but you're like little 10% of you, right. you're actually doing more harm than if you just said yes to three people, you gave it your full time, right. your present energy than just trying to please everyone. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that to me is more selfish. And then mm-hmm. I don't know if you feel this way, but... In the relationships I have with people, especially as I've gotten a bit older, mm-hmm. with the people who are like, no, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, great. <laughs> That's amazing. That's I don't want to drag you there. Like, yeah. cool. But at least you know where they stand. Right. And they're honest with you. So then expectations are managed. Because then if that friend doesn't really want to come, but she comes anyway, she's in a crappy mood during mm-hmm. it. You just don't connect the same no. way. Then you leave. You're like, that was weird. I know. We found ourselves at a Thanksgiving out at a restaurant. All the entire table were... It was people without children, people that lived in New York without family here. Mm-hmm. And we all were like, this is great. Yeah. Thanksgiving, however this is, you know. And it was like one of those moments where I'm like, people would maybe see us all as selfish because we didn't go back to see our families wherever. But that's like, I think it's okay to, to mm-hmm. make your, you know, to, to spend the time how you want to spend the time and to redefine mm-hmm things for yourself so completely mm-hmm. completely and then because you you just show it better for the other people because then it's like all right I didn't see mom this time I'm gonna give her a good you know a nice phone call or whatever that is and you show up in your own way so yeah and the last Thanksgiving that I cooked I like almost cut my hand off so I was like you know what I'm just gonna You're go like, to a restaurant a little bit we're gonna <laughs> <laughs> like, someone else okay. is gonna cook for me yeah well Eva thank you so much for joining thank us you. today this was really really exciting is there any final words on the brand anywhere that we can Anything we should keep our eyes peeled on? Yeah. I mean, we have new, you know, launches coming out this year and a couple of really amazing activations in Europe. And um, yeah, there's stuff happening. I'm very excited. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And see you later. We'll see you soon. Thanks. Thanks.